What is love? A study of the Ten Commandments. So the question uh, that we start with is, hey, Dav, yeah, what in the world do the Ten Commandments have to do with love? Remember, according to Jesus, well, okay, now that if you didn't know that, now you do. Remember, I should say according to Jesus and my mom. Now, if you were in that service, she answered before everybody anyway. So according to Jesus and my mom, what, what do the Ten Commandments have to do with love? everything jesus said that the law and the prophets were summed up in love for god and love for our neighbor and we then we also understand that we love because he first loved and it's he first loved us and it's always been that way we also see that his love looks like something and so does our love it's not just a sentiment it's not doesn't just exist in fuzziness god love god's love looks like and acts like something so does ours Good. Everybody's in agreement so far. Now, here's what we emphasize the week number one, and I'm probably just going to need to circle back and make sure that we do each time. That uh, the, the Ten Commandments, these are not the Ten Condemnments. These are not intended to condemn. These are not the Ten Accusations, Condemnations, or the Ten Indictments. <laughs> They are intended to correct, to say, this is the way. That is not the way. This is the way. They are intended to guide. They are intended to be a beacon of light for all, to see, all who seek to do what is right. So these should be heard as, having been loved by God, and you are. Someone just say it out loud, I'm loved by God. Loved by say it like you mean it. Having been loved by God, this is how you love. We've looked at a couple of examples of that so far. Today, we're going to land at verse 7, and, and we're going to see this, that love for God means loving His name. Everybody just say, loving His name. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. I am tempted to each week uh, begin with the King James, simply because... There's just something in this that almost needs to hear it in King James, just because of our familiarity. Thou shalt not. Let me even say it like that for everybody's benefit. But I didn't. So let's just go to NIV. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Here's the CEB. Here's a, another translation that I think uh, helps shed light on the meaning of this command, do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were of no significance. Now, here's the Amplified, again, which takes the basic text of the King James and then uh, puts it into a contemporary vernacular and then tries to add on, uh, tries to help us understand some of the language involved. So here's how the Amplified reads. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That is, irreverently, in false affirmations, or in ways that impugn the character of God. Now, when we listen to these in these translations, already we see that this is less about a shall not and more about his name. This is less about simply a prohibiting a certain action and more about promoting the importance of his name. 
This is about our attitude toward his name, our affection for, and our reverent confidence. Ooh, there's two words that I want to hear you, you uh, hope that you carry with you today is reverent confidence. Will you say those two words with me? Reverent confidence. Reverent confidence in his name. Loving God means loving his name. Now, the command straightforward, do not misuse, do not invoke in vain, do not take his name in vain. Commonly, this is interpreted or applied in a couple of ways. And they're both right. They're both good. One of the first thing we would hear or, or, or people embrace is this, this is some sort of a prohibition against using God's name as an expletive. That's a good idea not to do that. Or to just blaspheme his name. Another, another historical approach is to understand this as invoking his name in order to endorse deception. To swear falsely by claiming God is your witness. And to intentionally deceive claiming God is your witness. In other words, if we just look at those two ideas, we can understand this command in these words do not dishonor his name by treating it like trash and do not misrepresent his name by breaking your word now rightly so right away there's immediate ethical implications to these as we have said these commandments are the fabric they are the foundation for a good and right and just society. They're about loving God and loving our neighbor, but in application, they, they are the fabric that, that for, for a whole society. So the ethical implications, loving his name means, first of all, we are careful with what comes out of our mouth. <laughs> we don't actually have to say his name to treat it like trash what well if we claim his name or call on his name if we claim that we belong to his name then what comes out of our mouth matters and should honor his name this is why psalm 19 verse 14 the psalmist says may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. My rock and my, redeemer. say it again, my, whoa, my redeemer. Now, it's not just, it's not just a title. Remember, the Ten Commandments begin with, I am the Lord who rescued you. All of these commandments are predicated, are based upon that God is our redeemer. And so the psalmist is saying, Lord, you're my redeemer. So therefore, Lord, let what comes out of my mouth be pleasing to you. Oh. Ephesians 4.29, Paul continues this. And he says, do not let any. How many of you need the Greek for any? <laughs> any. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Talk like God. that it may benefit those who listen. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice. Listen, slander, filthy language from your lips. How we talk should reflect the honor of his name and our love for it. Further, the other implication is this. Loving his name means we keep our word. Everybody just say, we keep our word. Again, we don't actually have to say his name to misrepresent his name. Well, I didn't swear on the Bible, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) We don't have to claim his name to dishonor it. If we claim his name or call on his name or call ourselves those who belong to him, then we should keep our word. We should, just say that out loud with me. We should keep our word because he keeps his. In fact, Jesus presses it even further in Matthew chapter 5 as he's talking about what it means to be his disciples. He says, again, you've heard it said that it was said to the people long ago, don't break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, don't swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's, the earth, God's, Jerusalem, city of God's, basically everything is his. (laughs) Do not swear by your own head. You can't even make one, uh, even one hair white or black, or you cannot grow more of them. <laughs> All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is what Jesus does in these statements. He's teaching, and we're all agreeing, we're all agreeing, and then he takes this hard left turn and just anything other than that is evil. If you, in other words, if we, love, if we love his name, there should not be a difference between what you say you will do and what you do. There should be no reason needed to verify your own yes or no. Your mouth should not need a cosigner. Your bank may want one, but your mouth should not need one. Because loving his name means that we are careful with what comes out of our mouth and we keep our word. Now that's essentially the what, the practice of this command. But there's a why. Why is this so important? Why is loving his name connected to what comes out of my mouth? What is the relationship between honoring, valuing, walking, having a reverent confidence in his name and what comes out of my mouth? Other than the fact that it's my mouth that says his name. First of all, we got to recognize or remember, I suppose, that his name is important. In this same text, uh, Exodus 20, uh, the Lord says to to the people now, and he's prohibiting, he's telling them, don't just build yourselves any kind of altar of this or of that. Instead, he says, uh, he talks about his name. But what we need to hear him saying is, don't try to create your own means of connecting with me. Don't build yourself any kind of altar that you want. That's not the way you're going to know me. That's not the way you're going to connect with me. That's not the way you're going to secure the, his, his blessing, his protection, his favor by building up some sort of altar. How do we do that? How do we connect with God? How are we going to know him? How does he reveal himself to us? Here's what he says. Wherever 
verse 24 of Exodus. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. God's name, in Scripture, God's name is never separated from his presence, from his power, from his promise, from his provision. His name. In Exodus 34, it's a little bit later after the first episode on Mount Sinai, and Moses had come down the mountain and found the people in rebellion and got upset, and he threw down the tablets that God made. Somehow, you know, he blamed God. So the Lord has, has him, has starts over, but then this time Moses has to chisel out the tablets himself. Uh, Moses chiseled out. This is how it happens sometimes, right? God is still going to work good in your life, but if you might, on the second time around, you might need to break a sweat. Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up on Mount Sinai early in the morning. And the Lord, as the Lord commanded him, and he carried two stone, stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, awesome, and proclaimed his name. He stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Here's what he said. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. In fact, if we just looked from here forward, we would see that there is a, I, I guess I could use the phrase that the whole of the Bible is, it always has been, golly, but really it becomes more and more clear right here. The whole of the Bible is name-centric. The, the, the whole uh, uh, covenant, the whole sense of promise, the whole, the whole idea of how they pray the whole Old Testament shows how central the name of the Lord was in knowing God, in experiencing Him, and receiving things from Him. When, when, even when they built the temple, and Solomon finishes building the temple, and he's conversing with the Lord, and the Lord is making all these promises, the Lord doesn't say, because this temple is just so awesome or because it's gold, or because it's built just right, or because it's a necessarily sacred space, here's how I'm going to respond. Here's what the Lord says time and again. He said, because my, I have put my name here. If you'll turn here and pray here, if you'll pray here, if you'll seek my face, because of my name, I will respond. It is this, the, the whole of Scripture is calling on us to walk with this reverent confidence in His name. Therefore, loving his name is good, and it is right, and it is best. Again, the core of this command is this, that it, that it promotes and preserves a reverent confidence in the name of the Lord. So what's the connection? Real quick again. The fastest way to forfeit, to cheapen, or to devalue the name of the Lord is to invoke it in vain. When the fastest way that we as people devalue things, cheapen them, is how we talk about them. It's the first, it's the first we'll see this with murder. The first step in, 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 in making it okay to do someone harm is to speak about them with contempt. It lowers their value. It cheapens them. 
So the, one, the, the first barrier to protect us from devaluing, from cheapening, from lowering our esteem, our confidence, and our hope in God's name is to be careful how we talk. When we invoke his name in vain, it changes his name from, our approach to his name from a reverent confidence to more of a cheap contempt. Now, he's still very much God. It doesn't affect who he is, but it affects our, we lose sight and we lose grasp of his name and what it means. If that was true for them, there in Exodus, how much more is it true for us as the Lord has come nearer to us and given us a better covenant what, and given us the name of Jesus? Somebody say Jesus. If this is true for them, then as disciples of Jesus, this means that you, we should live with a really reverent confidence in the name of Jesus. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. In the past, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken. That's the, a Greek perfect tense, which means it's a, it's a completed idea, it's, and it's still in action right now. He has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Through him, God also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Do you love his name? Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. The Son is the, in, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all the things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Colossians chapter 2, 9 through 10, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Do you love his name? Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 72, return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Acts chapter 3, verse 16, Peter said, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name. Somebody say, it is Jesus' name. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Do you love his name? Acts chapter 2, verse 21, verses 4 and 12. Uh, 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 every, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the... Someone say highest. highest. What's higher than highest? nothing therefore god exalted him to the highest place gave him the name that is above every name Woo! that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven 
Every knee in heaven, every knee on earth, every knee under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you love His name? Therefore, we do not misuse, we do not cheapen, we do not make common or invoke His name in vain. Instead, we bless the name of Jesus. We praise the name of Jesus. We trust the name of Jesus. We live by faith in the name of Jesus. We hope in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. We call upon the name of Jesus. Ultimately, Paul says, as disciples of Jesus, to honor his name, Colossians 3.17, whatever we do, in word or deed, we do it all in the name of of Jesus. We do everything, including what we do with our words, with reverent confidence in the name of Jesus. Do you love his name? Then we are careful with what comes out of our mouth. And we keep our word. Because we love his name. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all of the hope and all of the power, all of the blessing in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. You have come near to us in the name of Jesus. You have availed yourself to us in your name. So, Lord, as those who call upon your name, those who claim to belong to you, Lord, we want to honor you. We want to protect and promote and preserve a confident, a holy, reverent, confident for all of our attitude, all of our, all of our behavior, where we want to have this reverent confidence in your name. Lord, specifically, your word tells us first, the first line is to be careful what comes out of our mouth and to keep our word. So, Lord, give us the grace today, whether in word or in deed, to do everything in your name. We lift up this, this offering of affection and reverence and gratitude in the name of Jesus.
and we're gonna we're gonna just take some time now and invite those anybody who needs prayer anybody who wants to call upon the name of the Lord you need help healing whatever it is you need God to meet with you today we have those who want to pray with you and pray for you we'll invite you to come here across the front we'll wait as long as we need to pray with you and for you otherwise may the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and may you live today with a reverent confidence in the name of Jesus God bless you. Have a fantastic Sunday.